I'm going to read a little bit more than the bulletin says. Ezekiel 33. <clears throat> but just to get some background context for the passage we will be looking at more closely, <clears throat> we're going to back up to Ezekiel 33, uh, verse 21. And just, just a word of explanation. Uh, there was more than one exile under Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, he came... Uh, he came uh, to Jerusalem, to Judah and Jerusalem the first time, and uh, the city and the nation capitulated. He put them under tribute and took away uh, some of the elite, the cream of the crop, uh, the artisans, the nobility, and so forth of Jerusalem as hostages to ensure they would remain loyal vassals of the king. Daniel and his friends were among uh, those taken captive then. We're reading about <clears throat> some time later now. In Ezekiel, <clears throat> the prophet of the Lord is living among those first exiles. So that, that's our setting for what we read now. <clears throat> Ezekiel 33, verse 21. In the twelfth year of our exile, in the tenth month, on the fifth day of the month, a fugitive from Jerusalem came to me, Ezekiel, and said, The city has been struck down. Now the hand of the Lord had been upon me the evening before the fugitive came, and he had opened my mouth by the time the man came to me in the morning. So my mouth was opened, and I was no longer mute. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, the inhabitants of these waste places in the land of Israel keep saying, Abraham was, the only, was only one man, yet he got possession of the land. But we are many. The land is surely given us to possess. Therefore, say to them, thus says the Lord God, you eat flesh with the blood and lift up your eyes to your idols and shed blood. Shall you then possess the land? You rely on the sword. You, com you commit abominations, and each of you defiles his neighbor's wife. Shall you then possess the land? Say this to them. Thus says the Lord God, as I live, surely those who are in the waste places shall fall by the sword, and whoever is in the open field I will give uh, to, the, to the beast to be devoured. And those who are in the strongholds and in the caves shall die by pestilence, and I will make the land a desolation and a waste, and her proud, and her proud shall come to an end. And the mountains of Israel shall be so desolate that none will pass through. Then they will know that I am the Lord, when I have made the land a desolation, a waste, because of all their abominations they have committed. And this is the passage we'll look at. As for you, son of man, your people who talk together about you by the walls and at the doors of the houses say to one another, each to his brother, come and hear the wor what word the, the, come and hear what the word is that comes from the Lord. 
And they come to you as people come, and they sit before you as my people, and they hear what you say, but they will not do it. For with lustful talks, their mouths are uh, in their mouths they act, their heart is set on their gain. And behold, you are to them like one who sings lustful songs with a beautiful voice and plays well on the instrument. For they hear what you say, but they will not do it. When this comes, and it will come, then they will know that a prophet has been among them. Just two more brief uh, readings. The first is repetition. We're reading again two verses from uh, James 1, <clears throat> verse 21, 22. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And finally, just one verse from Psalm 86. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. <clears throat> I don't remember exactly when it was pretty early in my ministry. I became aware of a serious problem uh, many people in the church have, many professing Christians have, a problem for which we need God's grace and mercy, either to repent of it, if it's true of us, or to be uh, kept from it, if God has been gracious in this matter so far. I say I saw this first in congregation I served, and then it became more and more clear to me that it was true of me, too. Uh, and that is this, that church members professing faith in Christ, professing faith in his word, hear God's truth, they hear it proclaimed on Sunday, they agree with it, but then they live as if they had not heard, as if they do not agree with it. There's a, a disconnect that many have. This disconnect is illustrated by the Jewish refugees in, in Babylon, Jewish exiles in Babylon, uh, to whom God gave messages through Ezekiel. We've read about them in chapter 33. Uh, and concerning that, well, they, <clears throat> they loved to hear Ezekiel. Uh, they regarded what he had to say as God's message. But what does the Lord say about them? They sit before you as my people, and they hear your words, but they do not do them. And I think that because this arises from human nature, not from some particular wickedness of Jewish people, uh, you and I, you and I need to ask. Uh, we need to be humble before God. We need to honestly open our hearts and ask ourselves and ask the Lord, Lord, would you, who knows me inside out, say this of me? 
This disconnect cripples us in our lives before God. It cripples us in our lives before the world. It makes us unfruitful. Content to appear godly, but as the Lord says of Ezekiel's congregation, with their mouth they show much love, but their hearts pursue their own gain. Now, what is the solution for us? I think it's encapsulated in the prayer of Psalm 86, verse 11, which will provide the outline for our message. First, desire God's word. Teach me your way, O Lord. Second, commit to do God's word. I will walk in your truth. Third, pray for God's necessary work in you. Unite my heart to fear your name. So the first part of verse 11, teach me your way, O Lord. Now Ezekiel, as we've said, is a prophet of God. God speaks his word through him to the people of Israel, in this case, the people of Israel who have been carried away to Babylon and live there. News has come. Jerusalem has fallen. This is a terrible, terrible event, a tragic event. And God gives Ezekiel messages to explain why this terrible thing has happened. The people want to know what God has to say. They understand that Ezekiel's preaching really is uh, the word of the Lord, the message the Lord has given him, and not just his own ideas. This is good. Second uh, Peter 1, 20 and 21 tells us, no prophecy of scripture is a matter of private interpretation, for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. It was a good thing uh, for those people uh, to want to hear God's word. And we could say it was orthodox of them, uh, even reformed. We also received this admonition from Peter, 1 Peter 2, 2. Like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word that by it you may grow with respect to salvation. We should all long to hear God's word taught and proclaimed. We should all pray with the words of Psalm 86, verse 11. Teach me your way, O Lord. Why? Because it is God's truth. We need it. Only the word of God could explain to the Jews in Babylon why God had ordained the destruction of their city. Declaring to them their sin and calling them to repent. Only the word of God can explain to us how our sin, Adam's and our sin, have separated us from God and made messes of our lives in the world we live in. Only God can tell us the truth that we need. That left to ourselves, 
left to our own confused and excuse-making, sin-justifying, proud hearts, proud thinking, we are not able. We are not able to straighten out the messes we make of our lives. We need the light of God's word to show us our sin and our wrong thinking, to point us to God's answer in the saving work of his son, Jesus Christ, to show us the way to forgiveness through faith in Jesus and repentance, to direct us in a new life, to set out a path of obedience and righteousness before us. God comes to us only in his word to give us these truths that we need. So Ezekiel's hearers were right to believe he had a message from God. Uh, they were right to want to hear it. And we also should want to hear and learn God's word. And we should pray, teach me your way, O Lord. But uh, this is only uh, the beginning, the first step in uh, the steps of, of uh, Psalm 86. We come to the second point and the second line of this verse. I will walk in your way. A commitment to do God's word. To do, to do God's word. Now this is a vow. It, it comes in the midst of a prayer. And so it's a promise being made to God in that prayer. It's similar to your membership vow. If you're a member of this church, on one day or another, you made this promise to God, or you said yes to this question, and it was a promise to God. Do you acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And do you promise that in reliance on the grace of God, you will serve him with all that is in you? Forsake the world, resist the devil, put to death your sinful deeds and desires, and lead a godly life. That's a longer version of, I will walk in your truth. But it's altogether scriptural. So Ezekiel's uh, hearers had a big problem, a big tragic problem. As God tells Ezekiel, they come to you as people come and sit before you as my people and hear your words, but they do not do them. ESV then translates, for they do the lustful desires expressed by their mouth and their heart goes out after gain. I think a better translation is the one that... Uh, King James, New King James, New American Standard agree on. Their mouth expresses love, but their heart goes after their gain. Whichever way you want to translate it, the point is clear. What does God say about this through his prophet James? James 1.22 Prove yourselves to be doers of the word and not merely hearers who 
delude themselves. To hear God's word and not do it and be content with that is self-delusion. I think I've done something very good by being in church, by hearing the word of God proclaimed. And, you know, preachers can be guilty of this. This is where it struck me first. I can preach on a subject. And then it's like, well, I took care of that for myself. <laughs> As if preaching the sermon was itself repentance and sanctification. So we're all subject to a tendency to do this. If that's all I do, if that's all I do, all I do is to hear or read the Word of God or preach the Word of God, I have done nothing. The Word has not profited me. And worse, a kind of judgment from God comes upon me or may come upon me because the more I hear God's Word and do not do it, the more deaf I will become to it. When I was in seminary, my wife and I moved to a third floor apartment on a very busy main bus route. And right where the buses would accelerate up the hill, their engines would roar, and when they came down, their brakes would squeal. And the commuter train was just down the block, and you'd hear it rattling, rattling, rattling. And our first night, in that apartment, I thought, I will never sleep again. It was awful. But you know, by the end of the week, didn't hear it anymore. We can become inured to the repetition of true and good things so that we no longer hear them if we fail to take them to heart and to act on them. Well, if I become deaf to the word, then all the more easily will I stumble into temptation and sin, foolish self-confidence leading me. And James says, what's the end of this? We read it in James 1, eventually death. If God does not intervene in his mercy and grace, this will bring us to death a death under judgment from God. Because we knew better and we did not receive the word with faith and obedience. We need God's word for salvation and life. God's word demands a response from us, a response of faith, Repentance, obedience, worshiping the Lord. Therefore, when you read the Bible, when you come into worship as we are this morning, do so knowing that you are dealing with God. Not just a ritual, not just 
words, not just the opinions of a minister, presuming that the minister is being true to God's word. You are dealing with God. It is God who is present with us. We are before his face here gathered in the name of Christ. And before God, commit yourself to take his word to heart, to truly believe it, to do it, to live by it, to let it search you, show you your sin, and lead you to repentance and greater faith, to correct wrong thinking and living, that you may grow in Christ. Repent especially of any disconnect such as we began the sermon describing. Any disconnect between God's truth and your conduct, speech, and thinking. Commit yourself to believing and doing the word of God. So you can pray with Psalm 8611. Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. For Christ, my Lord, and for his honor. However, we have a big problem. You and I are not able, not on our own, not out of our own effort. We are not able. We are sinners at heart. By nature, we are inclined to justify ourselves explain the word away, to be deaf to it. You and I need the third point. To pray for God's necessary work in you. Unite my heart to fear your name. What was wrong with Ezekiel's hearers? divided hearts. James refers to this as being double-minded in James chapter 1. The people knew that James preached God's word. They knew that they needed it, but when they went away, they didn't do it. They were governed by another principle, their own selfish desires. They said, isn't Ezekiel a wonderful preacher? Isn't he eloquent and moving? They thought his words were like a lovely song. I don't worry about people thinking that. But they continued to be ruled by their sinful desires. That's the sad point here. Today someone may say, that sermon really hit home. I needed to hear that. God says, so what? if it stops there. God does not say, hear about my son and his salvation. God says, trust in him. Surrender your life to him. Look to him alone for your standing, for your salvation before God. God doesn't say, listen to words about forgiveness. God says, repent of your sins to be forgiven. And he says, forgive others as you would be forgiven by God. 
God doesn't say, listen to words about honoring and obeying your mom and dad. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Honor your mother and your father. God does not say, think what a lovely idea Sabbath rest sounds like. God says, keep my day holy. But we need the work of the Holy Spirit of God to give us the integrity of united hearts in responding to his word and following through. I want to address the question of the roots of this disconnect. <clears throat> now, in one way, you can say, why the disconnect? And the universal answer is sin. Well, that's true. But thought about it, and I think there's some things to ponder. Uh, the first is just simple hypocrisy. Blinded by pride, I want to believe that I'm a good person, or not all that bad anyway. So I hear the Bible, I think that hearing it makes me good without actually repenting of my sins and really turning to Christ for forgiveness and deliverance. But if I really trust in Christ and really belong to him, then I must, I must respond to his word with humble repentance and confess to any two-faced living uh, that I may be guilty of. We should pray with the psalmist of old, search me, O Lord. Show me my sin and lead me in the way everlasting. The second thing I've thought about, you know, what would lie behind this disconnect, I think is really pertinent to post-World War II culture. And that is, several generations now of Americans have grown up raised on television to be spectators. And not just television anymore, right? You've got your laptop, you've got your phone, uh, you've got YouTube, you've got TikTok, and all these things, all these things. It's watch and hear, watch and hear, watch and hear, be entertained, never have to do. I could watch every Superman episode in the 1950s. Didn't call me to do anything. I was just entertained. Watch and hear, go away, be unmoved, forget. Enough of that, day after day, day after day, year after year, year after year, and it becomes natural to hear God's word and go, to hear God's word and go away and forget. Wake up, zombies! And then going along with the previous point is just the message of our culture, the relativism of our culture. You have your truth, he has his truth, truth for here, truth for there, and no need to harmonize them. One truth for church, great sermon preacher, 
another truth for my life in the world. This is what it takes to get by. Another truth for my feelings. And no problem. Now, any true Christian should recognize the error here when it is stated so plainly. The problem is that we are marinated, marinated in relativity. It's all around us. It thoroughly permeates our culture. It seeps into us unseen from music, from ads, from movies, from television, and just the people around us that we have to deal with every day. I think the Lord intends for us to wake up and not just accept what's going on, what surrounds us, what impinges upon us. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. Jesus also said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Anything contrary is not the way, the truth, or the life. So we need to draw that line. And we need to earnestly pray with Psalm 86, verse 11, unite my heart to fear your name. Make me whole and one in my allegiance to you, Lord. Every sinner who would hear God's word and receive God's blessing needs the work of the Spirit of God in your heart, in my heart, to give you an undivided response to God and to his word. We call this integrity. We need integrity in our Christian thinking, a response to the word, the lives that we live with each other in our homes, in the world. We need the work of God's Spirit in us to grant us a faith in Christ that is not hypocritical. We need the work of God's Spirit in us to give us, each one, a heart that is one in its allegiance to Christ and to his Word. Our Lord Jesus served his Father with single-minded, wholehearted, devotion to God. And then he went to the cross bearing the sins of hypocrisy and double-mindedness for a multitude no man can number whom he calls to himself and calls to repentance and upon whom he bestows the grace of forgiveness and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus rose from the dead. He reigns as Lord in heaven. He sends the Holy Spirit to make believing and repenting sinners whole, whole in devotion to God. So pray for the Spirit's work in you, that Christ would be honored by a life of integrity.
Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear you. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we confess to you that our natural inclination is to go the way of our own sinful desires and then try to cover it all over with a pious conduct. But we know, Lord, that you search our hearts. There is not a word we speak that you did not know we were going to speak. There's not a thought we think that you're not aware of. And so we do pray that you would unite our hearts, each one of us, to be whole in our devotion to you to love our Savior with one united heart, not two-minded, not divided. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.